Welcome back to another episode of Become a Calm Mama. And today I have such a special treat for all of you. And it was such a special treat for me because I am having a conversation with a fellow coach. Her name is Jennifer Delacuadri. And listen, don't skip this episode because you're going to love it because we're talking about teenagers. Jennifer is a life coach for teenagers and she has a really special expertise on teens and what they're going through and what their struggles are, especially in this post-pandemic era. And so I highly recommend this episode. It was so great to listen and learn from her and I think you are going to love it. So let's get into it. All right. Welcome, everyone. Hi, Jen. Hi. How are you, darling? I'm good. It's nice to be on this podcast episode with you and to talk about all things teenagers and all things parenting teenagers. And I'm excited because we both have, um, and we'll introduce ourselves to everybody, but we both have like fairly similar backgrounds. And we mm-hmm. work with parents and teens. And you work with the teenager themselves. I work with the parents. We both have yep. teenagers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's going to be a great conversation for both of our audience. And yep. um, yeah, so why don't you introduce yourself and then I'll introduce myself and we'll see where we go. Okay, sounds good. So yeah, my name is Jennifer Della Quadri and I'm a life coach for teenagers and I also work with parents. And um, let's see, my journey to coaching started probably about three years ago when I had my teenagers were pretty young themselves one teenager, one preteen. And it also kind of goes back to how I was as a teen and just remembering how hard those years can be. And you're just going through so many things. And I really wanted to be a part of the solution and be able to take not only my experience as a teenager and utilize that to understand what teens are going through, but also my experience being a mom of two teens and seeing what they're going through. And I just absolutely love working with teens. They're just so open, which sounds kind of surprising, but when they get on the phone and they realize that they're on, they're talking to somebody who's on their side and is cheering for them to win. It really is great. And we form some really good bonds and teenagers are just funny. I mean, they're just fun and (laughs) funny and (laughs) Yeah, so I just love working with them, and I also support the parents and kind of fill them in on what I'm working with their teen on so that they can support the teenagers on their end. So I'll give them some tools and techniques and just kind of give them an insider's look at, like, here's what we're working on. Here's how you can support them on your end. So it's not just like their teen comes to me and they're thinking, I don't know what's going on in there. I hope it's working. So I really like to be communicative with the parents as well and make sure that they know that I'm there to support them through their teen as well. So that's, that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I, I also had rough teenage years um, and maybe that's why I'm not a teen coach. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I love it. I was like, as you were talking, I was thinking, gosh, I'm kind of jealous. I'd love to like spend yeah. my days talking to teenagers. Oh, I mean, I love so spending my days. I spend my days talking to moms and, yeah. and dads and helping them with their um, parenting and their own mindset managing. It, essentially, I teach parents how to manage their emotions so that they can teach their kids how to manage their emotions. So that's my work as yeah. a 
Call Mama Coach. And that's so important because I, I know just from my experience, so much of teens' challenges come from the parents not knowing how to manage their emotions and not knowing how to approach the teen. Mm-hmm. And so what you're doing is huge because it really does trickle down. Yeah. And yeah, it's that's really where it starts. Yeah, I love it. Like <clears throat> my mission is to heal the next generation in advance. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yes. So I just think about if we can equip children, like an entire generation with these tools of emotional management, processing negative emotion, knowing what to do with it, knowing how to talk about feelings, um, knowing how to work through discomfort. Mm-hmm. If they learn that when they're young, I my vision is that when they're grown, they will just self-actualize in such a beautiful way and have, you know, yeah. great relationships and great colleagues, you know, and, uh, career success, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I find in my work is that because we were not taught that as yep. in our generations, you know, um, Gen X millennials, um, are who I primarily work with, obviously mm-hmm. that's who's raising children right now. Yep. And we're not, we haven't really, we don't have the skill set ourselves of how to process our feelings. And so it's right. kind of a, as a parent learns it, they teach it. And then hopefully they, the next generation will have it a little bit easier. So what I love what you're doing is you're coming at those kids who maybe didn't, weren't able to learn it from their parents or their parents didn't have those skill sets yet. And, you know, kind of intercepting them in these, these developmental years. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, is that as we know from experience, we parent from what we know parenting to be Mm -hmm. and our parents were raised by a generation that was very much, we don't talk about the emotions. We don't feel the emotions, like keep that on the down low, you deal with it. And so they parented us a similar way. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like, right. Uh, Gen X and millennial is like, you know what, that's actually not the best way to approach life. <laughs> and we're, we're kind of shifting the narrative. And so the generation that's coming up, I'll talk about this a little more later, but they're very sensitive and they're very intuitive. And it's like a lot of them have really been given the space to realize that they can feel their feelings. Mm-hmm. So it's like this transitional phase that we're working with right yes. now. And it's yes. so huge. It's so wonderful uh-huh. to see happening. And I just, and I know for you as a, as a mom of a teen, you can see it. Mm-hmm. You can see their priorities shifting and it's just yeah. so great. Yeah. Well, let's get into it. So, um, yeah, we both are trained coaches. We actually both were teachers before we were coaches. Yeah. So, you know, we've got some expertise in the room here for all of these parents who are listening. And so tell me, like, what are you seeing? Tell me a little bit about this work that you're working with these teenagers right now. So they're, you know, what age range are you working with and what are you kind of seeing? What are they struggling with? What are they succeeding at as well? I'd love to know that. Yeah. I love that because it's not all about the struggles. So, (laughs) I mean, sometimes it is. So what I really see, there's some really common themes. I work with everywhere from preteen to young adult. Mm -hmm. And everyone from that age demographic really has been struggling with increased anxiety and their perception that anxiety is a problem. Mm. 
So it's almost like a lot of the teens think that because they have anxiety, that that's a problem. And then they feel anxious about the fact that they feel anxious. (laughs) And it just kind of is a cycle. And Mm -hmm. so it's like they feed off of each other too. Mm -hmm. I'm so anxious. Yes, I'm anxious too. Oh my gosh, we're so anxious, right? And yes, they've been through a lot of things in the past just couple of years alone, Mm -hmm. they have every right and every reason to feel anxious. And so that makes sense. But very few of the teenagers I work with are clinically anxious, right? Mm -hmm. They don't have that issue. They're just feeling anxious. And so really that's what we address. So anxiety is a huge one. And that kind of leads me to my next one, which is social anxiety. Mm -hmm. That's a real big one. And That is partially a result of being a teen in general, but also just having spent a couple of years in isolation, Mm -hmm. being at home, getting back out there is scary. Mm -hmm. And they really missed a very important part of their development in being social with other Mm -hmm. teens and their peers. Mm -hmm. And so now they just doubt their ability to be able to converse They're nervous to go up to people or talk to people they don't know. They're nervous to go in public situations. They're nervous to make phone calls or, Mm -hmm. you know, just imagine like interviews and all of that. Mm -hmm. They get really nervous about it and a lot of them avoid it. So that's a big one. And, oh, and on that same note too, is they just really need more time to recharge their batteries. Because when they go out socially, they just, not all of them, but a lot of them just get really overwhelmed with the sensory, with the social. And so when they come home from school, they're just like, oh, I need a break. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a lot. Low. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So it's like they have to build that resilience back up. Yeah. I was thinking about while you were talking about anxiety and um, just we were talking about the generational aspects of, you know, emotional regulation and and processing emotion. And when I think about emotional literacy, it's like, I know what I'm feeling. I know how to talk about it. I know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about it generally, generationally, maybe this generation knows what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. They kind of know what to t- how to talk about it, yeah. but they don't quite know what to do with it. Yes. And that's where that like literacy, emotional literacy gap is. And I'm just 100%. curious, like if that I, I wonder if that's part of what, you know, it takes generation to shift kind of this whole thing. And it's like, we've yeah. been able to say, Hey, this thing that you have, we're going to call it anxiety. Yep. And you can talk about that. We're going to give you space to talk about it, but then we're not really equipping them with the tools right. to process that. Right. And we, we talk about EQ, emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. These kids are very have very high EQs mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why they're so anxious well a I lot wonder, of them though, I, w- I don't want to belabor the point but I, I also think like when I think about EQ emotional quotient emotional intelligence it's like those three parts are so vital in my mind of like knowing what to do with it I think that yes there's that they're very they yeah. have high EQs in terms of emotional awareness yep and and um articulation mm-hmm. but there's still this process that they don't yeah I quite know many of us don't know right it's a it it can be partially developmental Mm. 
because they're not quite, their brain is not fully developed and all of those things, but it's also experience, it has to do with their experience. Mm. So if they grew up in a household where they talked about feelings and they were able to see their parents openly, you know, discuss how they're feeling and process and Mm -hmm. manage their Mm -hmm. emotions, they've had experience with that. If not, if the parents don't know how to do that themselves, then they don't really have the capacity or awareness that that's something they can do. Yeah. And that's what we're going to talk about the next episode is like how to equip parents a little bit more. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah. So say more about what else you're seeing with, uh, with kids with, they have this anxiety, they have social anxiety, they need time to recharge. What else? Well, it's funny that you say that because my next one was the inability to effectively process and express their emotions Mm. and their perception or just people in general, the perception that feeling bad is a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's really just a part of being human. And so the toxic positivity, I feel like we're mm-hmm. kind of moving past that, but that was a big thing. And uh, it just all good vibes only. Right, and right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Like, we're both positively. wearing hats right now. No one can see us, but we're both wearing hats. Like I think yours says be happy. Mine yes. says like be kind. Totally. Like, yeah. You yeah. know, I mean, there's just a lot in, in yeah. our society right now. Yeah. yeah. So it's just that messaging and ha- and the reason why they 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 push it away, right? Because I'm I don't want to feel this way. I'm not supposed to feel this way. So they mm-hmm. push it away or they hide it or they shove it down. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't go away, right? It's there, it's trapped. And that's why you see your teenager exploding or melting down. Yeah. Because they're carrying all of that stuff internally. So that goes back to what we were saying about the ability to be able to let it out and feel it. Yeah. And so that is something that I'm sure you work with parents on as well, right? Oh, like yeah. helping it's them. Yeah. So much of the work. I, I like to think of it as in, in terms of metabolizing, like in oh, metabolizing yeah. emotion, because it like comes in and it's like food, right? We bring in this food and it has its purpose and it does its thing in our body. And then we process it and release that and whatever yes. c- comes in, you know, um, even like if we get a sunburn, it kind of comes in, our body heals, it does its thing. And then we shed and, you know, peel right. and all that. Like there's the metabolic or physical process. And so how can we think about that with, with feelings? And yes, you can stuff them down or avoid them, but they're still in there. Yep. And that's what you're saying. It's like, how, how can we process it or metabolize it or like move these feelings through? Mm-hmm. And that's such a huge gift that you're giving teenagers yeah. my word oh my gosh if I had you <laughs> right if I had myself I mean my gosh this was all all comes from my experience and and learning these things myself and thinking mm-hmm. if only I had known this when right mm-hmm. how much of an impact might that have had mm-hmm. on my life right yeah. and my decisions and everything and <clears throat> so yeah it all it all kind of boils down to and this is another thing that I'm seeing in a bunch of teens and this is nothing new and that's self-doubt and Mm. low self-esteem because being a teenager is hard. Teenagers focus on peers. And so it's like, they all feel like they're being looked at under a microscope and then you add in social media and they're looking at pictures and videos of people whose lives are quote unquote perfect Mm -hmm. 
And they're thinking of all the ways they don't measure up like, oh gosh, my house doesn't look like that. Or I'm not in that good of shape or all of the things that we would see in person and be able to leave when we would go home and separate Mm -hmm. ourselves from they're with it all of the time. And if they don't have the capacity to reflect on, Hey, when I watch this, it makes me feel bad about myself (laughs) and stop. Mm -hmm. I mean, even adults have a hard time with that. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's like compounded because they Mm -hmm. have that extra level of constant interaction. So I've noticed that my teens who don't have social media, there, Mm -hmm. there are a few of them, believe it or not. My kids are actually not big social media kids. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are very happy that they don't have social media. There Mm -hmm. are very few of them. I mean, when they get past a certain age, they just don't care about it. They're like, you know what? It's, I don't really think this is something I need, but they, they still struggle with Mm self-esteem, but it's just that extra judgment that's just not there as much. Yeah. Yeah. And worry about what other people are thinking. Yeah. It's like, it's already a lot to process, right? Like mm-hmm. um, taking in input from your peers or, you know, being a teenager in general, just, you know, trying to figure out who you are, how to define yourself, your self-concept, your, how you feel about yourself, your self-esteem. And those are just challenging, but we're asking kids or teens to do it with even more inputs. Like yeah. it's hard, even without social media, it's hard to just be a human, be a teen, walk through the world. And now yep. we're going to add a bunch of new, like ways to, uh, see their peers, see, you know, constantly. And yep. that means their skill level has to go up significantly because the input is going up significantly. Yeah. But yet we're not really equipping them to process all of that in the first place. And now we're going to add more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's because they're part of the generation that was, has been raised on it. The natives. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we don't know what it's like to have social media as a teenager. So we don't I, know I, how to manage I can it. imagine. And would it not be great for me? No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm just really glad I didn't have that when I was growing up. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's also, I mean, when we talk about social media, I think it's helpful for parents to understand. And what I'm learning as I work with teenagers and parents and I don't work teens, but parents and parents of teens that the, they have like, okay, Instagram, they scroll mm-hmm. reels and things like that. Maybe they see some stuff from their friends, but what I'm noticing is most of it is in Snapchat mm-hmm. and on discord channels. Yep. And when I talk about those with parents, they're like, what do you, t- what do you, what's discord yeah. or what yeah. are you talking about? And especially because I'm raising boys. Mm-hmm. And so they are in the video game world and discord is primarily through video game world, but then right. the girls or kids who are attracted to, to those video game guys, they also are on discord yeah. and then those channels get pretty big and there's, you know, lots of kids and then the Snapchat channels and things yeah. like that. And, you know, we have all these protections with our iMessage and we can do this and that, but they're not using iMessage really. They're I just, know. Yeah. It's very interesting how, yeah. It's not necessarily social media, but Mm -hmm. it's still, they're connected to their peer group through other apps or other technology that maybe our generation doesn't even think of as social media. And and it's constant, Constant, right? I mean, we we had, we had a dial up phone, 
right? Yeah, yeah. They can reach their friend in 2.2, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, a lot yeah. of pressure. <laughs> yeah, it is. And yeah. Um, all right. So self-doubt, yes, for sure. Low self-esteem, especially in like getting that feedback, that reflection from. Right. Yeah. And that kind of goes to the risk-taking part of being Mm. a teen and the self-doubt leads to making poor decisions or doing things that you wouldn't normally do to fit Mm -hmm. in. And they, they may see it happening. I know the parents probably see it happening, but it all comes from this inner desire to be part of the group, part of, Mm. to be able to fit in and they don't want to stand out in a bad way. And being a teenager is a, is like a weird conflict of not wanting to stand out yet stand out at the same time. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Don't give me too much attention, but give me attention. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be unique, but I still really want to be part of the group. Yeah. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So those are the, the big ones for all teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it transitions about the pandemic post pandemic. Cause I th- I've thought a lot about the post quarantine and what's happened. We, this could be a whole podcast episode probably <laughs> on just this topic, but yeah. I've been using this phrase like maladjustment. So we had the kids who 18 months, 20 months, they were in quarantine. And then <sighs> last school year, everything was open, right? They went back. Not yeah. everybody, but for, I mean, it, schools were open. Yeah. And kids went in with whatever development they had, mm-hmm. wherever they were. And I think some kids kind of just tricked along yeah. and adjusted. And then I think some kids, they maladjusted, like yes. they were in the system and they were in the program and like at school and doing the thing. So it wasn't yeah. grow like a big obvious like wow you really aren't ready to go back to school I mean maybe we need to do some alternative like that happened but then there were yep. some kids who just kind of went to school and it just didn't work I see that a lot in yep. my practice like teens that just struggled all last year and I think of yeah. it just like like just maladjustment just a little bit off uh-huh. <laughs> right day, like maybe yeah. something that was already there a little bit just got like exploded right yeah, yeah. a lot of school avoidance yeah and all avoidance grades. was a big deal last year yes uh, and that's teams. another thing that like could be a whole podcast is how to handle school avoidance <laughs> <laughs> i can For speak sure. from personal experience on that mm-hmm, one <laughs> mm-hmm. yes yes okay yeah so I, we want to just normalize that for parents who are listening because you yeah. know you we're hearing these kind of um general struggles for teenagers. And that's, um, you know, really helpful. Hopefully it's like not freaking parents out. If you've got kids under 12, like you just just stop right now. Just turn off this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I mean, listen to it, but like hold it loosely, you know, because I don't let it scare you. Yeah. Don't get afraid. Right. Because you kind of, it's like when your kids are one or two or like, or eight, you know, like six months, you're like, Oh my God, I can't imagine them walking. Oh yeah. And then they walk and you're like, Oh, of course. Yeah. Or when they're 12, you're like, I can't imagine them driving. And then they drive and you're like, well, of course, like we, right. you, you get there and you're there and it's okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love that perspective. Like, just like you can manage it. It's a slow build, right? Yes. Right. It's not and like that, you flip the switch and then everything falls apart. <laughs> yeah. That's how I felt though. A little bit after the pandemic, after quarantine, because my kids were very home. They didn't, you know, mm. go out and about. And then I mm-hmm. felt like we got shot out of a slingshot. 
right into last year. I was like, whoa, now yeah. I've got teenagers, but right, but didn't have that slow build as much. I missed that. Yeah. Both my kids missed um, sophomore year, basically. Oh um, yeah. So <clears throat> it was tricky, but the, I, I just want to help parents see that we are still as professionals noticing that there are, there's fallout from yes. that quarantine and we, everyone is still healing and still yeah. um, repairing back and getting back into mm-hmm. their normal developmental groove. And I have a lot of hope about this school year personally. Um, oh, I do too. Yeah, I, we'll I can sense the vibe already yeah, with everybody. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. So good. So what else did you want to share with, with everybody listening? Well, let me just quickly touch upon how preteen and early teen versus older teen, the things that I'm seeing with them can vary. So with the younger teens to like, I don't know, preteen to 16, it has a lot to do with finding and keeping friends, Mm -hmm. finding their place. Mm -hmm. And the big one is their desire for independence, Mm -hmm. which causes conflict with the parents. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you see that in your practice as well, working with parents, that can be a big struggle because you're so used to being so hands-on and they want you and they need you. And then all of a sudden they're like, I don't want you. I don't need you. I'm going to go in my room and close the door and you'll only see me in mealtimes. And that Mm -hmm. it's like a breakup. It's like a long, slow breakup. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to talk about that next week. It's like grieving. Yeah. Grieving and mourning. And I, um, and not taking things personally, like, yes, it's, uh, that's a big part of my work with parents because I teach feelings drive behavior. Uh-huh. And so it's your child's emotional need or their, their feeling that is actually what, where this behavior is coming from. It's not to hurt you, to manipulate you, to make you feel right. like crap or like, it's just, we just try to move away from any of those concepts. It's just like from that person, what's going on with them and how are they expressing their emotion? What is it? What is it looking like? And exactly. it's a lot easier if you're thinking these are just emotions. When right. And then this it's is not about personal. Me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what you have to say about that. Cause I could <laughs> certainly. <laughs> and then what I'm seeing with the older teens is a lot of when they're a high school senior and beyond, there's some lack of motivation, uncertainty about the future. Like they feel like they can't adult or they don't, they won't know how to adult. And they're mm-hmm. like, I am not ready for this. Right. Mm-hmm. So just uncertainty about what they want to do with their life and adjusting to some of them that I'm working with are adjusting to going to college and being independent. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have this big fear of just choosing the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. And they, they feel like they have to p- pick the perfect thing and then they, they, that's it for the rest of their life. And it kind of goes back to like a fear of making a mistake and, mm-hmm. and there are no mistakes and it's just redefining what they mean, what they're making the mistake mean, right? Like, yeah. It's not bad, but you figure it out. I saw this, I don't want to say too much about my son, but I saw this a little bit with self-sabotaging in order mm-hmm. to, uh, to limit options. Yeah. And that, yep. like, it was like, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know where I want to go or how I want to show up in the world as an adult. Yeah. And I'm really, really afraid and I can't be perfect or like get all A's. So why try? Like there was some thought errors in there. And then also yeah. just on a subconscious level, like I'm going to like screw up a little bit this yeah. year and then I won't 
be able to be college ready. And yep. um, it was so interesting when we got to the bottom of it. And I was like, you're going to be just fine when you go yeah. away. Like You're going to figure it out. Like you have so much more maturing to that's coming yes. to you. And it's not all or nothing thinking. It's not all A's or F's. Like there's a lot of middle ground. It, you can get your acceptable to go to college. Exactly. You know, quote unquote even if you aren't at 4.6 or mm-hmm. so he just had a lot of misunderstandings and then it sort of looked like self-sabotage. And um, yes, I wonder if you see that sometimes in these, I, these I definitely do self-sabotage and then just frozen and indecision. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to choose. So I'm just not going to choose. <laughs> God, it makes parents so angry because it yeah. feels like, um, yeah. like they're doing it on purpose. Oh, right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. It makes me look bad too. That's another thing. Oh yeah. Thing. Oh, well don't mm-hmm. even, yes. We can't even get into that. Yes. Like yeah. it makes uh, that, that the parent crisis, right. About how our kids are showing yes. up those later teen years is very, very, uh, it's a mind fuck really. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It definitely is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 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 So, okay. Older teens, that's their, they're kind of focused on the future, but paralyzed a little bit by it. Like uncertain a lot about of them it are. and insecure about it. Yeah. 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 So I'm just going to close off by listing a few things that from as working with teens and this is information I get um, what the teenagers want their parents to know and maybe they don't want to have to say it. So (laughs) if you are the parent of a teen, listen up. (laughs) Yeah. So number one is not everything needs to be a lesson, right? Sometimes they just need you to listen. And it's so hard as a parent, I know, but to just listen and be like, validate their experience. Like that must be really hard for you. Wow. You know, what a struggle and just validate, validate, validate. And before you jump into solutions, here's the the big question that I always tell my parents to ask is instead of going in and saying, you should do this, or you should try this, or what about this? Say, how can I help you with this? Mm-hmm. Or how would you like me to help you with this? Mm-hmm. Because maybe they don't want your help. Maybe they don't want your suggestions. Mm-hmm. So that's a big one. Not everything needs to be a lesson. The next one is they're doing the very best they can. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And that kind of goes back to what you're saying with Everything, every behavior is led by a feeling. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of feelings going on. And mm-hmm. It may not look like they're trying on the outside, they're being lazy or whatever, but mm-hmm. they really are. They really yeah. are trying. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's so, God, what a gift. I know. To it's true. Be able to think that about your children and look at yeah. them and thinking, like, because it's so easy to think, God, they're so lazy. They're so mm-hmm. disrespectful. They're so, like, really that judgment yeah. and criticism and looking at it and being like, oh, they're doing the best they can. Yeah. And if you were to just approach your teen with the mentality that they are doing the best that they can, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, they're failing, they're not measuring up, they're being lazy. Mm -hmm. It changes how you respond. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Next one is they need you to let them fail. Mm -hmm. Failure is an essential part of, of growing up, of being a human. And when they haven't had the opportunity to fail, they fear failure. Mm -hmm. And so that's an essential part of it. Yeah. And they need rules and boundaries, but they also need to feel like they have a say in the matter. So I know a lot of generations like before us were very much like, do as I say, not as I do. This is my way or the highway and all of that. It teaches them to hide what they're doing or rebel. 
Mm-hmm. When, if you have a conversation with them and explain, that doesn't mean you're going to change the rule. It means that, Hey, I'm here to listen to how you're feeling about it, you know, and it's okay for you to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. just be open to discuss. I love that it, it discuss, we'll talk about this next time, but discuss without changing the rule. Mm-hmm. So when you say they need to have a say in it, I almost think it, it's really, you're saying they want to have a say about it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They want to feel like that, that they are being heard. Yeah. Right. Like uh, if they get frustrated about it or they think Mm -hmm. it's not fair, Mm -hmm. sure. Maybe they feel like it's not fair and it's okay for them to feel that way. However, this is a decision that I've made and this is what I feel like is best for the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So allowing them the space to express that negative emotion. Yeah. In my program, I call that um, protest. Yeah. Like allow for some protests when they, especially if they're experiencing a consequence, right? When they yeah. you have a limit and a, a boundary and they're outside of it and there's going to be a result or an impact of that. Yep. They're going to have some feelings about it. Yeah. And so are, are they allowed to express it and, and not turn that into shame? Well, you should have done it, but differently. And then this thing uh-huh. like, like that feels awful. Yeah. So you're, you're saying, yes, have your limits, hold them hold them to the boundary and then let them yes. have, have their say about it. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to hear what you have to say next week. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is also good. Um, okay. So the next one is know that it's normal and necessary for them to pull away. It's hard to, to not take it personally, but it's, it's a part of their development and they need to feel safe to process their emotions. So mm. they don't need you to fix it for them. So if they come home upset about something, again, it goes back to acknowledging and validating their experience instead of jumping into solution mode. And that may look like acknowledging and validating for an entire hour. I'm telling you, I've done it myself. Literally don't say anything, but wow, that's really frustrating. Wow, that's really hard. Oh my gosh, this is anybody in your situation would feel this way. It makes sense that you would feel this way. Just literally, that's all you say. Mm-hmm. until you you can tell that they've processed the emotion mm-hmm. before going into the solution mode. Yeah. Yeah, and we can talk about that next time because the the parent has a limited capacity. So like you're saying an hour and I hear you like <laughs> that I have also listened to negative emotion being processed for more than an hour. Oh, yeah. I remember I've talked about it this on my podcast about when my son got his braces and it was oh. like 4 hours of yeah. just like a lot of words. And I then got to my threshold. So we Mm -hmm. want to give next time parents language when they've hit their capacity so that they don't have to go into either solution or shut down or shame, right? Yeah. Yeah. So good because they, they, they will notice if you are feeling frustrated and you don't want to do it anymore Mm -hmm. because the energy behind what you're saying is going to be different. And they're going to be like, you know, they know that you're frustrated and you don't want to listen. And so I'm so glad that you're going to be talking about that because that's really important. Yeah. It's like, there's a difference. I think of it as a journey to compassion, but we have the parent is in their judgment, their criticism, their anger, their big feelings, right? We want to get to a place where we're not showing up in these moments either because your kid has a consequence or they're going through something hard out outside of your home. And they have, we have to get through our big feelings yeah. and we have some neutrality where we're not actually like in it with them. We're just like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And that can be okay. 
for yeah. a kid to just have yes. a neutral ear. And they know if you're not in judgment, they also know you're not in compassion. So then we move through neutrality, hopefully to yep. compassion where we're actually truly like in it yeah. with them. Like we're not solving, but we're in the emotion. Mm -hmm. So I think sometimes we can toggle be between neutral and compassion. Yeah. But if we get into frustration, anger, overwhelm, like yeah. it's time to stop. And yes. can, I'll talk about how to do that respectfully. Mm -hmm. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah. I love this. Teenagers are so happy right now. They don't know that <laughs> their parents are listening to this. Podcast. Oh my gosh. And that's the thing too, as I, I know we had mentioned the good things too. Yeah. The thing that I, I know I mentioned this before, but the teenagers are so socially aware and they fight for the underdog. Mm -hmm. They're very much um, interested in social justice mm -hmm. and equality and normalizing all kinds of things, normalizing being different. And they really do accept one another at a level that I don't believe has I've ever seen or that has ever been seen. And like you said, it just kind of, it gives me the chills to think about the future that this generation is providing for our world. Yeah. It's so wonderful to see. They're such good, good kids. And like I said, they're so funny and so aware and all the things that come with a teenager. So if you do have a teenager, soak it in. <laughs> it's good. It's good times. Yeah. It's, it can be ups and downs, but they're mm -hmm. little adults and they are just so fun to be around and talk with and live life with. So yeah. Getting to know them. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing exactly. Them. Mm -hmm. so Let them good. be who they are. Yeah. So tell us how do people work with you? I want my audience to know like, what do you do and what? Yeah. Tell them. Okay. And then your, your audience will be like, what does she do again? Yeah. Tell I know. Us. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. So I work with, like I said, preteen to young adults and I do one-on-one -on -one coaching with them. And I have two programs. One is more focused on building confidence and self-esteem. And the other is a little bit more future focused on for those older teens that are trying to figure out what's next for them. Mm -hmm. So some teens may get a combination of the two, but in essence, it's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, conversation, weekly coaching call where we're building a relationship and basically getting over all of those obstacles that are in there subconsciously and helping them navigate their feelings and emotions and just giving them a safe space to let out whatever's going on. And so if uh, someone wants to work with me, mm -hmm. what you can do is find me on social media. I'm on Instagram at jennifer.delaquadri, or you can go to my website, which is jenniferdelacuadri.com, yeah. schedule a free con consultation, and we can just connect, talk about your teen and see if this is something that would be right for them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. We'll put all the, all the links in the show notes and all that. Perfect. So, Cause yeah, yeah when, I have a funny name too. So it's like, people are like, wait, how do you spell that? <laughs> I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Quadri. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so great. I love this conversation. I can't wait for our next one. And yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I feel good. I, as a mom of 16 and 18 year old, and then I have another young adult living with us. I love this. It's so, yeah. it's so great to remember what they're struggling with and like what they're succeeding at and just where they're at. I just yeah. thank you so much. 
Yeah. So good. So fun talking to you. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say next week. If you have a teenager, then you're going to want to listen to this because I have teenagers and I know how difficult it is to raise them. I understand how overwhelmingly angry we feel. I understand that deep worry we have over them in their current life and in their future. I get what it feels like to be sad that they've grown and changed and our relationship with them has changed. And I also understand what it's like to raise a teen and how confusing it can be over what we're responsible for. What are we supposed to be setting rules around? How do you set rules with a teenager? So these are the topics in the masterclass. It's going to be October 12th at one o'clock Pacific. It's going to be on Zoom. It's an hour and a half. It's $25. And in it, I'm going to teach you what's normal for teens and what's not. I'm going to help you figure out how to set rules and limits for teenagers and you know how to say the things you want to say to them and get clear about what your role is. I'm going to help you stop lecturing them and giving you new tools to talk and listen to your teenager so that you feel closer to them during this time instead of drifting apart. And you're going to learn really practical ways to manage your own mind around all the fear and all the frustration and all of the sadness that we have. So it's 25 bucks, October 12th. It's a Wednesday at 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 o'clock Eastern. There's going to be a recording upon request. And I've put together an incredible workbook guidebook that has all the best practices about raising teenagers, what you need to know, what's developmentally appropriate. What are their needs? What's this generation struggling with? What is it that they want from us? And how can we best support them so that your teenager can grow up and become whoever they're meant to be, right? Reach their potential. So I'm going to help you clear out some of your misunderstandings, some of the myths, and also give you a really clean idea of what what it's like to raise a teen and give you some practical tools so that it makes it a little bit easier. And so I encourage you to join me. You can sign up at my website, which is calmmamacoaching.com. I spell mama M-A-M-A, so calmmamacoaching.com. And um, we'll have a link for the masterclass. All right. I will see you guys next time. 